White Claw Hard Seltzer. Crafted using seltzer water, 5% alcohol, and a hint of fruit. Only 100 calories and 2 grams of carbs. Please drink responsibly. Hard seltzer with flavors. White Claw Seltzer Works, 2020 Chicago. Visit whiteclaw.com for full nutritional information. Austin 360 Radio. I'm Amy Edwards, sitting here with my friend. Addie Broyles. Hey, me. It's been so long. I know. I'm so happy you're here. It's so good to be back in a new space, new building. I know. What do you think? It's beautiful. Can't wait to see some old friends in the newsroom. It was nice to see the logo out front. And it's great to see you. Oh, it's great to see you, too. I miss you so much around here. And when you would come in and... I don't know. We, we took talk pictures about together and <laughs> everything under the sun. I know. On this awesome we 360 did. radio. But I'm so excited to be here today. It was kind of a special day. It was. I was so surprised and happy when I stumbled upon this article the other day. And I was like, let's see. It came out on the first. And it's about the cookbooks. Because I'm glad that y'all did this. It's about the cookbooks that you and Kitty put into the Austin Public Library cookbook cafe, right? Mm-hmm. And... Man, I used to walk by your desk every day and you, you just had stacks and stacks of which I benefited too. I have some of your <laughs> old cookbooks. I love it. So we collectively, and by we, I mean Kitty Greider and I. So Kitty was the food writer before me. She did the job for 28 and a half years. Have y'all stayed friends? We have stayed friends. We needed a little bit of space at the beginning because I think when she left the paper, it was 2008. She wasn't quite ready to retire, but she also knew that like Twitter was just coming out and blogging was there and new media. And I think it was going to be a lot for her to kind of get transitioned into the the new age of, of being a journalist. And she'd been doing it since the 80s. You right. know, it's the late 70s. She was so. like Irma Bombeck time period or oh, something, you know, totally. like just print media. And she was such she a was queen. She was such a part of her identity, too. Just to let that go would be really hard. So hard. So I really commend her for handing off the torch in such a beautiful way and then getting out of the way so I could make it my own. Yeah. So know. she would, uh, you know, give me tours around the newsroom and tell me how she did things. And then there were some things where she was said, you know, this is how we do things and we should keep doing it this way. But then she really was understanding that things were going to need to change and so she got out of the way and let me do that but then oh, as the years went by I would check back in with her and ask her about certain things and she was always so warm in her emails back to me and, and we saw each other a couple of times over the years she was traveling so frequently she and her husband went to 25 countries after she retired wow so she was really living life to the fullest during those years I was raising babies putting out the food section um, but how when, old is she? she she looks really good she declines to give her age oh, I love it but um, I she imagine declines. she's probably in her 70s I'm guessing it looks like it yeah, yeah but she's um, she's doing great she's just uh, such a fantastic human being and uh, really set a wonderful precedent I mean she had big shoes to fill and I have people tell me all the time, including this morning when I got an email from a reader that said, when you first started, I didn't think I was going to like you. I was so sad that Kitty was leaving. And then you won me over over the years. And then I was so sad when you left. And that's a, a common refrain that Typical. I hear from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm so proud that I was able to make that beat my own while also honoring her, you know, in my new life as a tarot reader and freelance writer. I do a lot of ancestral work and Kitty is one of those ancestors for me. She's still living, but she I have a lot of reverence for her and the many food writers who paved the way for me to have the career that I've had. That's and a cool so, way to look at it. Yeah. And so she, during her tenure, had started collecting cookbooks. So when she would get a book that felt particularly notable about Texas cuisine, maybe it was uh, a, a cookbook from somebody from Austin or a hotel in Austin, something like that, she would put it in a little stash. And this was, she called it the Statesman Cookbook Collection. And 
it just starts out as an idea, right? It's just something that she, uh, over the course of the years, she was the protector of. And, and where was the stash? It was at the Statesman. It was just okay, at the old that's building. What I was wondering. Yeah. And it was yeah. just a, a cabinet. Okay, <laughs> it, it was a cabinet. Okay, yeah. it was just a place in the newsroom. <laughs> and she actually had two two stashes. She had she had one stash that was like the library where you could go and reference any book, right? So these were just all the books that were notable she had in one area. And then the ones that were specifically Austin and Texas related, those were even more special and they were in their own spot. And so during my 13 years as a food writer, I would continue to save books in that same way. Uh, We started doing a cookbook drive in probably 2014 where people could donate cookbooks to the statesman and then we would give them away. And so we were, were constantly getting donations from readers who were downsizing and they would have all these books. And I would go through those books and I would find little community cookbooks from the Hayes County Cheerleader Association or the Westlake Catholic Church, (laughs) the ladies from 2002, that kind of thing. (laughs) So um, I started to feel a sense of ownership over that collection as well. And then when the statesman was moving, when I was leaving my position and the statesman was moving from uh, South Congress out here to... Montopolis, Sassy. I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the new the new home. Uh, I knew that those books were probably not on anybody else's radar except mine. <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> I thought I need to get these out of here and find a home for them. So I left them all in my house, and they were in my garage for how many were eight there? months. There were 168. I Dang. found out. So it was funny because when you look at them, it's like five or six boxes, and it just seems like a ton. Um, but so I was already aware that the cookbook cafe down at the library had um, been the keepers of the Virginia B. Wood cookbook collection. So Virginia Wood was the writer, the food writer at the Austin Chronicle for a number of years, a beloved member of the food community. And she died several years ago. And when her friends who were going through her things uh, were trying to figure out what to do with her cookbook collection, they reached out to the library who put them in touch with the Cookbook Cafe. And so they made this donation. So Virginia's books have been at the Cookbook Cafe for three or four years now. And I've always thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if the statesmen could have their own cookbook collection that lives somewhere? And I put in a couple calls to a couple of institution, like educational institutions around town. Nobody had any space or any interest, but I'll be darned if the Cookbook Cafe was not very eager to take care of these books for us. So Patrick Johnston, who's the manager of the Cookbook Cafe and a cookbook lover himself, said, we'd love to to be the keepers of this collection for you. So Kitty and I set up a date and we brought all those cookbooks down there and we unboxed them and we looked at them. And it was so special because as Kitty was looking at these books, I was thinking the last time she saw these, she was in a different time in her life. Mm-hmm. And Austin was in a different place. And, you know, when Grady Spears was putting out The Cowboy Way in the at the end of the 90s, I mean, Grady Spears was a name that everybody in Texas would have known. N- not very many people would know that name no right now. He's, he's one of those cowboy cooks, like oh, the Southwestern okay. cuisine okay. type thing. Yeah. Um, but he was notable. And, and again, with this whole like ancestor thing that I'm so into these days. Uh, it's a way to honor that that these people paved the way for the food industry that we have now. I mean, restaurants have a three-month waiting list to get in. I mean, it is impossible to get a seat at a restaurant right now. That is different than it was 20 years ago, but we couldn't have what we have now if we didn't have what we had then. Mm-hmm. And these books really capture the spirit of what Austin food has been like over the three, four decades that the two of us have been covering it. Uh. 
Wow. Well, I love this picture, too. And I'm glad you guys got a shot. Of so we had all the Rihanna cookbooks. Sanchez, one of the photographers at the Statesman, came and photographed us. And it was so special for Kitty and I to get to have photos made together because I don't know if we have very many pictures of us, um, the, the two food writers. And we have these stacks of books that we're standing in front of. And you can see some of the titles when she made this comment as she was looking at all these books, she's like, it's like I'm visiting old friends. Oh. <laughs> and it was so special because I know what that's like to befriend people on your beat over the course of years. You know, you call up the same chefs over and over again, the same authors. Um, and you have to build that personal relationship with these people in order to do your job right. And that doesn't change just because you leave the job. Right. And so she feels that, too. Yeah. And uh, I, so just to, to know that I'm not alone in, in having that sort of sense of connection um, and also just this love of cookbooks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're either a cookbook person and you get it or you have no idea what we're talking about. But um, people who can pick up a cookbook and maybe never cook a single dish out of that cookbook. But to look at the recipes, read a little bit about it, um, get a sense of the personality of the person who wrote it. I love them. Even from the photos, you can look I at I love it. the photos. <laughs> like the you photos, can look and you, I love them. I could show mm-hmm. you a cookbook and you could look at the, fo- the food photos and you could probably tell me what year. Right? Oh, probably because so, yeah. Because food yeah. trends change so Even quickly. Even the recipes, I could probably. The recipes <laughs> change so much over I the years. I love looking at throwback recipes and you're like, oh, a, you know, mayonnaise cake or whatever. Oh my God. Something real weird so like true. that. So true. So those community <laughs> cookbooks, you would love. So take the girls some time, go down to the cookbook cafe, get a little latte. I have not been there still. I tried to go not too long ago and it was closed. And have was you like, been to hey. the downtown library? Yes. Generally? Yes. Okay. So the, I um, love it. the cookbook cafe is on the north side of the downtown library mm-hmm. on that little street that's um, kind of between it and the Seaholm development. Mm-hmm. And they do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I believe. Okay. And a lot of the food is inspired by some of these cookbooks, cool. which I thought was so neat. Um, and you can just browse these books for free. You can't check them out. Um, and they are not accepting any more donations from a lot of people are often looking for homes for their cookbooks, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, Maybe this is your call to start a cookbook library. I like, would. If why, somebody, does, why doesn't that exist? If somebody gave me a space... What? Like it just a, a storage shed or something, I would happily run a cookbook drive to receive cookbook donations and give them away to people. I just don't have the Let's space to store them. start a cookbook library. Like the world's leading cookbook library. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so amazing. Well, yeah, it would. What's amazing about cookbooks is that they they move through, they exchange hands. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you'll, you'll have a book and you'll have it for a while. And at some point you might be ready to move on from it. But you hate to just donate it you know yeah. you hate to just like put it in the trash pile like, well if it's one you really like yeah. too yeah because you, know? you want somebody else to get joy out of it yes and there's so many people who are interested in food these days you know young culinary students or um you know people who want to get into the restaurant industry or food bloggers or food content creators mm-hmm. you know on tiktok right like there are these tiktokers who will take old recipes and then recreate them they're amazing yes tiktok recipe people are amazing yeah. and it's not you know it's never about the food it's about everything else it's about what the feeling that you get the feeling that you get what was going on during that time i love looking at the books from like the 60s and 70s and thinking about what a revolution was happening in the domestic space you know women were Ooh. saying we're not here to sit around all day and cook for you and so you saw more convenience foods mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s you saw you know the glass ceiling was being broken and you saw men getting into the co- kitchen in new oh, ways yeah. or you get into the 90s and all these new cuisines were coming in and Americans were just learning about Italian food and then now you know when I was covering food People were learning about Thai and Vietnamese food, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and 
so that you can almost watch the sophistication of the American palate develop over the course of these. Of What's these happening recipes. now? Um, I think the conversation is is about authenticity and about who's telling these stories and who's writing these cookbooks. So mm-hmm. one thing that's that's pretty obvious when you look through these books is how white they are. They are almost entirely written by white authors. There are very few authors of color. Um, there are a couple of Mexican-American authors, um, but for a long time, the publishing industry only gave contracts to people who had food writing jobs or who were food editors or who had cooking shows. They already had those positions of power. And so if you are a uh, mom and pop, you're a Taiwanese woman who is making the most incredible food at, you know, in your strip mall kitchen, uh, you're not going to be on the radar of a cookbook publisher, even though you might be legitimately making the best Taiwanese food in the country. And so now you are starting to see cookbook publishers offering cookbook deals to those cooks. Cool. And so like all of the James Beard Awards this year are going to be going probably, I'm guessing, to to cookbook authors of color. I mean, it's it's a really wonderful shift to see. Like we're so overdue for it. I can't believe that it's 2022 and it's just now happening. But, um, and you know, I, whenever I talk about this, I never want to say, well, if you're not of a certain ethnicity, then you can't make that food. I don't think that's true. It's more of, are you profiting off of it? And are you giving credit to where you learned it? And to generally the women who were the keepers of that knowledge, who you probably learned from, because they're, they're the ones who keep getting passed over mm-hmm. uh, for these high-powered positions or, or, or deals. And so... It's going to take a little while to write that ship, um, but I, you know the specific regionalism. So, like Midwestern foodways. I'm from the Midwest, right? And uh, there were Texas foodways for a long time, and only in the past five or six years are we seeing Midwestern foodways books. So we will see even more of that over the next ten years of just, you know, not just Italian food, but like Southern Italian food, or not just African food, which is like a whole darn oh God. continent. That's way too big. I know <laughs> Nigerian food, right? Or South African food, or you know, we just saw an Australian cookbook that wasn't something that you would see maybe 10 or 15 years ago. So that doesn't sound very good, actually. Well, <laughs> what's neat about Australian food is that it's so influenced by Southeast Asian cuisine. Oh, and well, so, okay, I'm, I'm here for that. But again, where it's like, is it, you know, white Australians taking another cuisine and making it their own? Or how do we amplify voices? So that's what's really happening. And then the storytelling, the food memoirs, uh, I think people are really hungry, pardon the pun, <laughs> for... Um, <laughs> for stories about how people got where they are now and um, these thoughtful essays about how they're using food to heal some of their family wounds and traumas, maybe of, because they're the the son or grandson of an immigrant who maybe experienced a certain type of treatment when they first moved here and now all these years later, they how, how that still continues to influence their life. Um, maybe if they run a restaurant or something like that. So, mm-hmm. Would you ever write a cookbook? That's a good question. Um, I probably would. I, yeah, I've got some. Uh, what do you think it would be it would focused be, on? Your garden and and herbs and all the things you're into. Yeah, so I've been yeah really into herbalism. Uh, connecting with my Swedish ancestors that would be something that would be really rewarding for me because we I did not grow up eating any Swedish food. You can make a tarot deck to go with it. Oh, Each one could have like a. Oh I'm full gosh. of ideas. I Abby. know. Well, it's also the most mul- <laughs> like I contain all these multitudes, <laughs> and I'm like tarot, Swedish herbs. What else can it's I throw very in niche. there? It's yeah, very exactly. niche, but uh, it will speak to an audience. <laughs> so, Did, but I think what I think is most important is that like uh, using food as a way to explore identity. Yeah, and that's the book that I would write. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I didn't tell you about: I'm learning Swedish. Oh, y'all. Yeah? 
job. <laughs> hey. Was that right? That was. Toxie Mook. So um, this is, uh, I mean, this intersects with food in some way, I'm sure. Is the girl with the dragon tattoo, is that Swedish? That is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I read that. I actually never never read that one. It's tough to get through. You got to really push through the first. My sister was like, push through the first 80 pages. And I got to 80 and I was like, this is a nightmare. And she was like, keep going. And then I made it through about 110 pages. And then you're off to the races. And you'll whip through all three books. But anyway, they're really good. So, But but just from the library, just just last week, I I checked out a book um, about Swedish cooking from the library. Because I want to start introducing some of those dishes back into our family. Hell yeah. Because they've been gone for now three generations. Mm -hmm. So... Just reclaiming that and putting a Texas spin on it. I don't know. Yes. We'll see. I think everybody, you know, like just like everybody has a podcast in them, I think everybody has a cookbook in them. I think so, too. I think I don't know what What mine... would your cookbook be? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Mine is, um, mine is about like um, more intuitive mm-hmm. cooking. Like mine would be very like, it would be kind of like this. Like figure it out for yourself. More mm-hmm. intuitive. What have you got on hand? What can you make work? Mine's yes. mine's called Make It Work. Ooh, it's called I Make like It Work. It. And it's like we're gonna figure this out with what you've got on hand. So empowering. This is very on brand. It is. It, it is <laughs> on brand. <laughs> yes. And so it would be pretty healthy though. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Mine. Well, you. Anytime we've talked about food, you always have some neat little tricks about. Uh, like the vegan chorizo with the eggs mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, just little things like that. And Thank that's you. the other message that I have always tried to convey to people is don't compare yourself to other people in terms of your abilities as a cook. Every single one of us has little things that we do that not, I don't say nobody else does, but that are meaningful and are cool little tricks, hacks, trips, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. uh, that not only make your life easier, but that give you a sense of self-worth. Like you're not a crappy cook if you don't know how to cook a freaking Julia Child beef bourguignon, right? Yeah, don't no. let that be how you define your self-worth as a cook. If you know how to make vegan chorizo and scrambled eggs and it is the bomb and your kids eat it and you put it in a t- tortilla and you heat up the tortilla in a certain so way, that is that becomes part of your... It's in your treasure box, right? It's your repertoire. And you you have passed that on to your kids. And they will, in 30 years, make that. Yeah. And they'll think about you. Oh, thank you. Well, last question. Was there something that was a true standout to what you put into the cookbook cafe that if somebody went in to look at it, they, they would be like, ooh, Addie said. I have to find this one. Go here. Okay, go find. There's a book called Fiesta. Fiesta. And, and it is by uh, the McAllen junior league if i'm not mistaken <laughs> maybe it. laredo one of the South already Texas, sounds yeah, great. Yeah, yeah and it has this cover that almost is like cloth like it has a texture to it it's bright yellow and it's just one of those community cookbooks that's so classic i think it's from the late 70s and it's just visually it's so right eye-catching is it in the picture yeah it is it's right on top so next you can to tell Kitty. i really yes. like that book and there's another one called the cherokee club uh-huh. from longview texas which i have no idea why it's called the cherokee club i did not dig into that in the course of this <laughs> but that's another one that has a really interesting cover with a really neat texture to it that just um, it feels like an artifact from another era cool so those are anyway, so fun to go look have at. a look and then um, I do have a catalog that I've put together so if you want to browse the books that are there uh, it's tinyurl.com slash statesman cookbook collection and is can, there like a QR code when you're there or? we are hoping to put together a little reception sometime this summer Ooh, and we will put up a QR code that's a great Good idea, idea. I hadn't thought about that 
Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the QR code. Me too. Oh, oh my God. My business card now is just straight up a QR code. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You can just change it. You can just make it whatever you want. I just pulled it out. Oh, my gosh. That's That's so fantastic. Good. Okay. Well, let's meet and have a coffee down at the Google Cafe sometime. I really want to. And can you just remind everyone how they can find you now? Yes. So I am uh, at Broyles A on Instagram. B-R-O-Y-L-E-S. That's right. And I continue to write a column each week on thefeministkitchen.com, which is a Substack newsletter where I write about uh, being a millennial mom, traveling, uh, losing my dad, the ancestral healing work, the plant work, community building, all of that stuff. I recently changed my bio on LinkedIn from food writer to uh, I build bridges between the past and the future. Ooh, Addie. So... That's, that was a big step. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And this this cookbook collection is very much uh, Addie Broyles' Bridge Builder reporting for duty. Oh, well, it's beautiful. It was just so wonderful to see your face and your name in there one more time. I got really excited. And so thank you for coming in and, and talking about it. And everybody can go find that, of course, on Austin360.com or follow you anywhere. And you're also at Don't Fear the Death Card. You didn't yes, that, all my so. tarot things. All your tarot. Yeah. That's right, which is fantastic. Thanks, so uh, I love you so much. Thank you. You too.